2: Thank you for tuning in to the Live Big broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. God's Word is powerful and full of life. It opens your eyes to how big God is and how big life in Him can be. So we pray that today's teaching compels you to grow and live a life bigger than yourself. Remember, you can listen to this message and more for free at gracechurchva.org. Here's Bishop Greer with today's Live Big message.
1: I feel like the Lord wanted to give us a hug before we got it started today bless the Lord oh my soul all that's within me blesses his holy name well I didn't feel like I should let you leave here without a word today so if you have a Bible would you open it to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 this morning we're gonna look at Paul's last and final letter In our New Testament. And I like the way he ends it. He says, For I am ready. (laughs) It's good to be ready. And Paul was, was 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 ready. But if you know the history and the background here, you also know that Paul was saying that he was ready as if to say, Man, life has gone by so quickly. A writer once said, the bad news is time flies, but the good news is you get to be the pilot. He said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Most of us, unless you watch Cooley High, are not familiar with the drink offering. But the drink offering was usually a a quart of wine that was poured out at the base of the altar with a lamb that was to be sacrificed. And it wasn't just another ritual that God added to the sacrificial offering. It had deep meaning. Psalms 104 in verse 15 says, wine makes glad the heart of man. Truth is, some of y'all are too glad, but got to watch that. But in Scripture, we see that wine is a recurring symbol of joy. And it was poured out to represent God's joy in the offering. So, so the drink offering was there to remind the worshiper that if God is pleased, nothing else matters. Second Timothy four and six. And Paul had lived his life. God was pleased. And that's all that mattered. He said, For I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew that his imprisonment would end in death, particularly this one. And the Greek word here for departure is a word that was used to describe a soldier packing up his tent. So he could march on. It was also the language used for a ship that pulled up its anchor in order to continue its voyage. Death for those who love God and live for God ought not be frightening, it's just the next leg of our journey. And then he says, I have fought the good fight. All of Paul's personal journeys or battles, help me, Lord. Was about to finally come to an end. And he had spent his ministry and life wrestling against Satan, but he didn't submit. He struggled against sin, but he did not surrender. Amen. And you will see a disciple struggle, but you will never see a true disciple quit. Amen. And you got to forgive me, I feel so wrapped up in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm doing my very best to communicate. He said, I have finished the race. Paul saw life as a battle to be fought and a race to be finished, an assignment to complete. And when it's all over, our lives are not going to be measured by the plaques on our walls, the degrees, the amount of money in our bank accounts, or what people might have to say about us. God's going to ultimately measure our lives based on what he's assigned us to do and who he assigned us to be. Amen. And every, every hole that God's assigned me to fill, every problem that he's asked me to solve, that's going to be the true measure on which he bases my reward. When we get to heaven we're going to be surprised that about 50% of our reward will come from just hanging in there and showing up. Now I want you to see the leniency in the test. Imagine taking a test in college or, or in high school and 50% was just putting your name on the paper. 50% is, is just you getting your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and, and you showing up, not quitting and, and not giving up and giving in, but living this thing and, and running your race. That's 50% of the score. Then he said, I have kept the faith. Paul's faith was his greatest treasure. The impact of Jesus's sinless life, his brutal beating and crucifixion, his vindication when God got him out of that grave on the third day, and his ascension to the right hand of God the Father and its meaning was worth every fiber of his being, both in life and now in death. Then he says, finally, as if this is what I've been trying to get to for a long time. You say, finally, when you're finally turning that last lap. He said, finally, he was excited and exuberant about what faced him on the other side. Finally, there's laid up a crown for me. In the ancient world, this is not a crown like the European kings wore crowns. This was an ancient wreath that was put on the athlete's head after they won their particular competition. And actually, the understanding of this wreath is a part of Paul's secret and, and, and how he was so successful in his life. You See, he understood that every time he, he chose to obey God and not the world, God would lay aside something special in heaven. And he lived his life piling up rewards, knowing that God wouldn't miss a beat, that God saw everything and every choice that he made. And he knew that in heaven there was a reward greater than any king could ever give him on. He said, finally, man, I'm finally at this stage in my life where I can lay this body down and I can go on to glory and there'll be no more pain, no more weeping, no no more crying, they can't beat me anymore. They can't hurt me anymore. I'm finally, I'm, I'm at the final stretch and I'm almost there. He's excited and he said, guess what? On the other side of this is a crown. And it's a crown of righteousness. And when the gladiators fought in the Colosseum. the winning gladiator would also often get this this reef this crown alongside of that he'd get monetary benefits and and there were things that that, that were given to him that were of this, this this world but the greatest honor that could be granted a gladiator was for the king to stand and retire him and say, you no longer have to fight anymore. Paul knew there was coming a day when he no longer have to strain. He no longer have to stress. He no longer have to struggle. And the greatest honor God could give you is say no more fighting. Yeah. And Paul was ready for this great day. He said, "There's a crown laid up for me. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. You know, life's not always fair. But how many know in heaven there's no devil? There's no thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. When we get to heaven, God's going to make everything right. Everything that's been wrong, everything that's been twisted, everything that's been missing, every, every compliment you didn't receive, every benefit, everything that, that, that was crooked in this world will finally be made straight. And then he adds, he said, this is not just my hope, but this is all our blessed hope. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing we love God best when we love others most Spurgeon the great preacher in England wrote he said there will be no crown wearers in heaven that weren't cross bearers down below so he said be diligent and come quickly and this is where I wanted to get to this morning in just about all of Paul's earlier epistles, we see him surrounded by friends. And he kind of had a rowdy bunch of people because he get to the end of his, his letter and, and all of his friends would want shout outs. And, and I'm pretty convinced that half of them must have came for this century because they, they seem to act like we do when we get on the radio. <laughs> I want you to read 60, Romans 16, chapter 21 a little bit differently. He's at the end of the letter. He's talked about some profound and deep things. He said this, Timothy, my fellow worker, that's number one. Lucius, number two. Jason, number three. This other fella, number four. (laughs) And my country or countrymen, basically saying all my homeboys greet you. What was happening is as he was writing, all of his friends and and all the folks that cared, everyone that meant something to him was coming in and and out while he was writing. And and as he wrote, all of them were asking him to send shout-outs to Rome. The same thing, though, happened in Corinth. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 16, 19. He said, the churches of Asia greet you. Basically, Asia's in the house. He said, Aquila... And Priscilla greets you heartily in the Lord. In other words, med props from A cute. That's exactly what Paul was saying. <laughs> he said, and with the church that's in his house, on and on his letters, you, you see. Numerous name friends, people coming in and out, people doing shout outs and, 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 and people, you know, warming him with his presence. And he'd even write sometimes, you know, Luke is here with me, you know, Timothy's here with me. And, and And it was just an awesome experience. His journey was intense, but it was so full of life and relationship. But in this passage of scripture, as he gets to the end of his life, we find the old guard is no longer around. And his dearest son Timothy is about a thousand miles away in Ephesus. And Timothy didn't abandon him. Timothy was was serving the church at Ephesus. He was doing his his, his duty, and sometimes somehow life kind of took all of these these great friends to different places. It was a new stage and in a new time, and and what began to happen in that prison cell is loneliness and isolation began to creep in like an iceberg, and, and and Paul longed for his old friends, and he he wanted to laugh and smile. He 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 remembered the old times. He was excited about where he was going, but. But he also reflected on the past. And, and in spite of the fact he was this great apostle, he had a human frame. And he wanted company. And one of the blessings of old friends is, is that they, don't, they, they won't let you take yourself too seriously. Because they remember all the stupid things you did. And Paul, with all this profound stuff going on in his head and in his heart. He needed folk that knew him, that could laugh with him, sometimes even laugh at him, to help lighten the load. But we also see that while he was in this cell, shadows started falling on the walls. He started remembering things. And it's much like you have 10 children. You love all your children. Like Jesus said, you know, the shepherd has a 100 sheep, but he leaves the 100 for the one. Well, the 99 and all your kids can be doing very very well all your yeah, all nine are wonderful they, they turned out to be exactly what you want but that one child <laughs> well y'all know y'all thinking about that one child right <laughs> but 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 that one child hasn't quite found his or her way yet that one child is has just hasn't quite got it together And the challenge is, even though you're you're, you're celebrating, you know, the others, your heart aches, you can't help but pray and groan for the one it feels like you lost. He said, for Demas has deserted, abandoned, and forsaken me. Now, what scholars say here. Is that Demas abandoned or didn't abandon the faith so he went on preaching and teaching back in Thessalonica but he clearly here abandoned Paul see you may still wear the jersey you may still play on the team but if you miss all your blocking assignments what's the point of being in the game And what we find here, God not only assigns us to tasks, but He also assigns us to people. And Demas was supposed to be there with Paul. And his absence is what caused the cell to shrink. His absence is what made the evenings so hard. But Paul never bites his tongue, so He goes on to explain. He spoke about his kids and told them exactly what they are and and he called a spade a spade when he saw it. He said, he he has forsaken me having loved this present world. Literally in the Greek, what's written there is having loved the now age. A lot of folks say, Bishop, I'm with you. But here's the deal. I'm with you as long as it don't cost me anything right now. But I, I think today's philosophy and, and the mentality of many folks today can be captured and summarized probably by this statement. A lot of us in life, this, 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 this is our philosophy, get all you can, can all you have, and then find the best way to sit on your can. Not you, of course, the person next to you, always the person next to you. And this was the case with Demas. And he departed back to Thessalonica. He went to a different church. He went back there where it was a little more comfortable. He went back to a place where he didn't have to stretch. He went back to a place he might not have to face so much persecution, so much hardship, so many challenges. He went back to a place called easy. But what I'm learning in life is, is, is growth is not for everybody. Some people want to stay small forever. And all you can do is let them do it. But as for me in my house. Skip to 11. Only Luke, only faithful Luke is with me. A year ago, everybody was trying to get a selfie with Apostle Paul. But only Luke stayed the course. In life, again, we're not just assigned tasks. But our most important assignments are not the things. They're the people. That beautiful woman on the the front row sitting there. I'm not talking about us. I'm making a point. She may not always be easy, but she will always be my choice. Those two boys that we raised and sent to college, they will not always do what I say, but they know I will always have their back. My family, my church may not always embrace me, But still, I know where I belong. And our assignments are not always just things, but people. And when we go on to glory, God's not just gonna ask, well, what did you do? He's gonna say, well, were you faithful to the people I assigned you to? And people are more difficult than tasks. People burp. People get attitudes. People yell at you. People make fun of you. People will talk about you. But what they do is not the issue. What's the issue is your assignment. Have you finished your race? Have you run your course? Is a $6 million question. He said, only Luke is with me. Everybody else abandoned ship. But un- uncommon commitment creates uncommon rewards. Actually, scholars say that Luke got his gospel primarily from Paul. So there's a little reading in here, but the odds are that as Paul was in that prison and no one else was there to distract, Luke sat there and began to write down the story of Jesus' life. And today and until this day, that gospel still bears his name, Luke. This is important. No one knows the name of Demas. Nobody names their little baby boy Demas. (laughs) I bet you someone's going to send me an email. Well, I know one. Well, (laughs) but here's the point. There are 64,104 people in the United States, according to the U.S. Census, that call themselves Luke today. You see, God has a purpose for your pain, a reason for your struggle, and a gift for your faithfulness. Don't give up. He said only Luke... Is with me. This next verse is powerful. A little background, and then we're going to wrap up for the morning. Get Mark and bring him with you. Acts fifteen, thirty six. Again, background, and we're just about through. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back to visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. In other words, Paul was saying, let's go back to the city where they stoned me and left me for dead. Let's go back to the place they beat me and whipped me. Let's go back to the place they tried to kill each of us and check on the spiritual well-being of the folks that remain. How many of you know that just doesn't seem like the most exciting journey in life? So the guys were grappling with the issue. They know what they were about to face. Now, Barnabas was determined to take his cousin with them called John Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take uh, with them the one who had departed from them at, at, in, in Pamphylia. I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the constant danger, the constant beatings, the weariness of the work, or or maybe you know John Mark just kind of missed Mama and all that. I, I don't know. But the point is, he skipped out on Barnabas and Paul, and he didn't go on with them on the work. Now, now this is important. Mark wasn't bad. He just wasn't ready. And there are people in our lives that might have walked out on us. That that might have, we we felt like they betrayed us or or they they skipped out at the time we needed most. It's not always that they were bad. It might just be they weren't ready. They weren't mature enough. They didn't have enough insight, enough guts, enough enough gumption, enough uh, uh, iron in, in their spine yet. But God was still at work. Watch this. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Paul and Barnabas here, two apostles, had a knockdown, drag out fight over Mark. And their relationship never recovered. And this means also that just because people are godly and holy and have a high calling doesn't mean humanity doesn't sometimes get in the way. But watch this. They had this terrible fight. Let's pick it up in 2 Timothy 14:12. And we'll be finished in verse 13. 20 years later, listen to Paul say this. Get Mark, the same Mark that messed up, and bring him with you. You see, I'm learning not to give up on anyone that God hasn't given up on. You know why? Because time will make a fool of you. Because if that person is just remotely or anything like me, he will never make the same mistake twice. He'll make it eight or nine times just to be sure. But what's amazing is God remains faithful. Watch what he says. This guy that didn't have the steel, didn't have the the, the courage to stay. Paul says, for he is useful. In time, God developed in that young man the character he needed to become everything God wanted him
2: to be. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Rear. We pray that you were inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. We invite you to meet us online for vibrant worship and strong Bible teaching each Sunday and Wednesday on social media or gracechurchva.org. You can also tune in to the Live Big broadcast on television. So check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have. But until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.